Welcome back to another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential Serial Killers. We're going to see if we can top that, this one, which you'll probably understand later. Uh, this is one of my favorite terrible cult classics from the 80s. And because it's from the 80s, I had to bring my friend who knows more about the 80s than you do, Molly Lehman. Molly, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. So this is a movie you actually turned me on to during our many uh, late nights in the drag bars in New York City. Uh, Teen Witch. Teen Teen Witch. Witch. Uh, this, This is one of my favorite terrible movies. Like, it's just wonderful in so many ways well and it's so funny to think about because like came out in 1989 within a few weeks of when the heathers was released and i can't think of any two polarly opposite movies for the same demographic than teen witch and heathers so different they're so different and i didn't even realize that they were so like in the same year but like and both set in high school and both mm-hmm. completely opposite. Mm-hmm. One so, is really like dark and the other one's really like campy and like ridiculous. And both I think are really important for how film, like I think Teen Witch personifies the kind of best and worst of 1980s teen films and teen, the teen genre that like John Hughes really kind of capitalized on where Heather's took it and kind of molded it to what actually was being experienced by teens to launch us into that idea of uh, teen suicide and really push us into the 1990s because Heather's, while it looks like a 1980s film, feels like a 1990s film, Teen Witch very much feels like a 1980s film. So That's very accurate. What is your kind of earliest experiences or early memories of Teen Witch? I must have seen it it's probably high school I'm assuming because when I was in high school okay so I'm an I'm an old lady um I'm a Gen Xer I was born in 79 so I was in high school in the 90s and in the very very early 90s I would say like 93 94 TBS had this like they played all the crazy movies like they Mm -hmm. and they would have like and USA also USA would play lots of crazy campy 80s movies but tbs had like on saturday mornings they played stuff like teen witch and adventures in babysitting and uh true beverly hills and then they would play things like the legend of billy jean like movies that like i was a little bit too young to watch when they first came out because in 89 i probably was like eight so this is probably not something i was like seeing in the movie theaters like mm-hmm. but when I was in high school, I started watching things. So I think I had to have watched it. Like, I can't remember the first time I had watched it, but I know I had seen it because, like, I was turning on everything. I was telling everybody about it. So, like, I can't distinctly remember when. It's not one of those movies that, like, I have a, a, a definite memory. But, like, I remember because, like, I'll never forget Top That. I'll never forget, like, the lo- I'll never forget the stupid TV songs. Like, they're so ridiculous. And- I think, like, Zelda Rubenstein also, she just, like, she was so iconic in the 80s. Like, Mm -hmm. if she was in any movie, you just always remembered her. She was in Breakfast... uh, No, no, she was in Sixteen Candles. She was Mm -hmm. in Poltergeist. And then she was in Teen Witch. And those were, like, the three movies that you distinctly remember that she was in. Yeah. And if anyone doesn't know who Zelda Rubenstein is, she's that 
old lady from Poltergeist that um, uh, I don't even remember was no because their back was like Heather O'Rourke's side. I'm trying to remember what mm-hmm. her like. She was just the well, old she's... lady. The old. I mean, I guess she's not. I actually looked up and she is not a little person. She actually just had a some sort of pituitary mm-hmm. gland issue. Mm-hmm. I like googled this last night and like looked up her like history and everything because. So, yeah. but she, I mean, you would just describe her. She was a small woman. She was just a small woman mm-hmm. that kind of seemed kind of creepy when you were a little kid. <laughs> well, like between picket fences and things, like she was well known for like her look. And she's oh, a I very forgot about picket fences. She's a very distinctive voice. So, like when you see her for the first time and you acknowledge that she's in the role, you're like, oh, I get it. And, you know, in this movie, she plays, you know, she kind of made a career for herself playing kind of the ooky spooky. She plays a medium mm-hmm. and, poltergeist she plays um madam serena and i always want to say madam serena but that is uh holes um but yeah she plays the kind of suits well, here fortune say, teller it is, it is serena yeah it is Her madam is serena Seth. yeah um but you know and it's this this was you know it's funny that this movie like this and teen, teen wolf were made in the same kind of era of each other because mm-hmm. this is the time of satanic panic this is when dungeons and dragons was like starting to boom um just before and like uh you know anita bryant was leading the like coalition of mortal order and like you know, it was all satanic panic and they were not things that we wanted to like participate in, um, you know, but there was a ton of fantasy films in the eighties. And so this kind of taps into this because according to our research online, uh, which, you know, we were the the most researched podcast on the internet, uh, but you know, it started off as a teen wolf, but for girls. And I'm really glad it's not, but that would have been funny. Um, Yeah, that would have been really weird. This is even about five years before the Sabrina movie would be made for HBO that would then turn into the ABC sitcom. Um, And so, like, you know, we had Bewitched and we had the animated Sabrina in the 60s. Um, And so, you know, we had that idea of, of witches and kind of we all know we all know kind of how the media portrays witches now. And so this kind of story that we get, it's it's a very the story of Louise is kind of that story we expect of a, a girl coming of age. She's not that popular. She just wants the hot boy to love her. She wants to be popular. And so she gets powers before her 16th birthday and uh, it kind of all sorts of hilarity and nonsense ensues and musical numbers. This isn't a musical, but there are musical numbers. So many <laughs> musical numbers. Um, which, musical numbers. W- top that which i would argue is kind of the most well-known thing from this movie i mean yes. have you seen it it's been going around tiktok recently which i was like oh my god i sent it to you the i other haven't day. seen that yo. yeah it's oh so... i know yeah because, oh yeah because um what's her face uh i love her can't yeah. think of her name right now but i thought like she does all that kind of she's mm-hmm. she's great because she's like our generation and she does yes. all this stuff and she had done that. She has done like salute your shorts and she did mm-hmm. that lace. My, well, my current obsession, which is that hip hop nineties video of that girl named oh Dina. I can't get enough of her cause she's ridiculous. And apparently she does hip hop for Christ now, which I think is hysterical. I think it's so funny. Like I literally sent it to people recently and they're like, 
who is this white girl doing hip hop? I was like, she's ridiculous. But I Holy Spirit activate. Holy yeah. Spirit activate. By the way, the Holy Spirit activate, when I realized who that was, I was like, oh, what? Dead. Absolutely dead. Which yeah. it completely checks out because when my friend Mandy and I, shout out Mandy Tate, went to go, oh, Mandy Tate's have Cephalo, she's married now, uh, went to go see Wilson Phillips. Um, China Phillips was super spacey and mm-hmm. whatever and weird and I was like when she did that on um, Family Feud I was like oh that that completely that track yep, that's checks exactly out. Yep. She, that yep. checks out that's her that's so yep. the type of person that she is so this movie had a very small production budget of about two, $2.5 million which a supernatural even comedy film that's a really low budget but do you know it's even lower what they grossed in the opening weekend. Uh, I, I don't know if you have the Wikipedia up, but Molly, can you guess what they uh, what they grossed in the opening weekend? Probably not well, I'm assuming. Oh, the lowest number I think I've ever seen on this show, other than like early 90s anime releases in movie theaters, they made $3,800 opening weekend. $3,800, $3,800 opening weekend. And they only no made- way. They only made $27,000 in the entire run in movie theaters. Um, now, they opened the same weekend as Field of Dreams and Pet Cemetery. Okay, so, so that, that answers that question. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, like, I can tell you when I watched Field of Dreams, I mm-hmm. remember that, but. Yeah, it's. Wow. Yeah, that's why. I That makes sense that it came yeah. out at the same time as Field of Dreams. What else was coming around? Out around the same time because you know movies were released do you know mm-hmm. of anything else what else was coming around uh like, well it was an april weekend release which is unusual like uh it was april 21st so like oddly enough everybody would have been in school um and so you know it's one of those things this was also before we had the idea of like the blockbuster release schedule um so yeah. i know that's just the most iconic things that kind of released that weekend um uh but one of the Oh God, there is a quote here. Uh, the the quote that I found from 19, it was just after when they started re-airing it on HBO and Cinemax because they were the first ones that kind of started showing the cult classic. Um, this is from Jarrett Weissman of the New York Post. Uh, he said, there are good movies, there are bad movies. There are movies that are so bad they're good. And then there is Teen Witch, a cult classic that defies classification thanks to a curious combination of songs, spells, and skins. Um, And then uh, Joshua John Miller also, uh, who uh, plays Richie in the movie, said, if you look at Teen Witch, it was a very campy performance, but it's a really fun film, something I have grown to honor. and then all the other reviews from later in life all talk about top that. So yeah, this really got a lot of cult following between HBO and Cinemax in the early 90s. And then as it went to like full syndication. Um, so in the early 2000s, MGM acquired the film rights. Well, like the release rights. And so that's when it got its first like home video. Um, real release on DVD with the original widescreen theatrical version. Which reading, um, the reason why you might not have remembered some scenes is they were not always broadcast on syndication with the entire movie. They cut it down for syndication. Um, oh yeah. They do do that. I wonder what scenes. 
Well, I so and then in 2007, ABC Family, which is now Freeform, which when Disney bought them, right. um, they started showing this as part of which was originally like Fox Family and the Family yep. Channel. Uh huh. Which yep. I remember all. Of, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. That. Uh, which is funny because I just of that channel. I just watched uh, the Eyes of Tammy Faye with Jessica Chastain the other day, which I, I love that documentary. That. Um, and, uh, that'll be a conversation for us to have off pod. It's a very yeah. uh, I have a, a, a lot of opinions on that one, but uh, I encourage everyone to go watch the documentary first and then watch the movie after. Um, it's one of the best things that like World of Wonder did before Drag Race. They, they made that documentary and I love Tammy Faye. Um, but uh, uh, Freeform and ABC Family showed it kind of religiously during their 13 nights of Halloween holiday block. Mm. And so they would show it a ton, which is why, it's why if you bring up Teen Witch, a lot of different generations of people know it. Now, pre-show, you said something really interesting that I want you to talk about before we jump in, um, which I agree with you in many ways that like we couldn't make this movie now and it's not because of questionable content but because it's not a good movie but it's an enjoyable movie um so uh, i i thought that was one of the best things you said because i was like honestly this movie is kind of such a point of its generation of the time uh one of the other podcasts on our network where uh, they're talking about beverly hills cop and so they're talking about a lot of like those movies that also came through that time that like for questionable reasons we could not make those movies again this one like because you you and i were texting a couple weeks ago about riverdale and sabrina Right. I, like, I feel like that's the, like, we couldn't have Riverdale and Sabrina, the new Sabrina, without this. Like, and I don't think they would have right. gotten, I don't think, like, you can't tell me that Melissa Joan Hart's Sabrina Teenage Witch is not directly inspired by this. Like, the tone of it, it's a direct love letter mm-hmm. to this movie. Like, it absolutely is. Absolutely. Well, I agree. Have you seen the 96 HBO movie? I know you have. You have, you have seen the Melissa yeah. Joan Hart movie. So, yeah. Um, and that one and feel, full, at least parts of it. it it feels like this movie without the musical moments which i'm sure we will get to very very soon the best part of uh, it it's so musical. so i wanna i wanna we're gonna start with the top and then we're just gonna go through we're gonna talk the good we're gonna talk the bad the the like the facts of life with like the facts of life the facts of life um so when you start this movie, there is a, I, it feels like the movie Angel about the high school girl who was also a hooker at night, like a, um, part of, oh a sex God, worker. That movie, but oh God, that, I can't believe you just referenced that. Oh, oh I will God. always reference Angel. I will always reference Angel. I love those oh movies. Oh my God. Um, but I always think of the movie as the one with the, the one where I think it's Helen Hunt or something where she freaks out on Angel Dust and jumps out of the window. Oh my God, I don't remember that. Oh my God. Oh my God, it's definitely like an early 80s, 70s type of movie. Like, oh, I will have uh, to look that those up. Those movies are like, I catch myself sometimes just going on, on, um, on YouTube watching those old type of movies because they're like all mm-hmm, up there mm-hmm. or like the or the uh, the very special or the afternoon specials or the mm-hmm. I love to watch mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, because like this is this is that time heart, of the very special episode. Nobody of our generation, like that's what I was saying. Like no one of our generation will ever understand. They just like 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 I said, like people are watching stuff like 
like Riverdale now and Sabrina now and Euphoria. Like they will not like, and that's kind of great, but like they'll never understand that we didn't have stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like our our teenage movies, we did, but like it had a cap. There right. was a cap. There was nothing like what it like. <laughs> Well, and it's because we had seen things like the John Hughes movies, like the Pretty in the Pink, the 16 Kettles, the Breakfast mm-hmm. Club, where they were starting to discuss issues mm-hmm. as young people were experiencing them. And then we had something like Heathers that like put it in an uncomfortably very flat way into the audience. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of why uh, you know, it's the volume that is suicide. Don't do it. Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, I'm like missing my Christian Slater movies in my head. And so, like, that's it's one of those things where it's just like it. uh, It's one of those things where it's this movie is a clear moment of time, and you have to understand the time that it was made, not for problematic reasons. Like, I'm sure the thing is, I I watch this movie probably once every few months just because, like, I can put it on in the background and I go through and I chortle about things and any movie that. tells lies about high school theater i love i absolutely love um as a theater human but starting at the top of this movie the credits are super sexy they're super dark and in no way reflect the tone of the rest of this movie like the credits at the top of this movie like i want everybody it's like she's like having the dream about being with brad and she's in the satin dress on the top of like buildings with the soft sparkle hue. Yeah. Like it's just, it's insane. But it's one of, and like the song is so catchy. It's such an earworm. Um, I recommend everybody like pause right now. It's called Never Be the Same. Uh, Never Be the Same Again. And like go watch it. Just go watch the Teen Witch uh, credits. Um uh, it's streaming on Amazon Prime. It's pretty much the only place to stream it, but uh, but the the whole movie. But it's yeah, it's so tonally different because it is a dream. She's having a dream. It crashes at the end of it um, into her like waking up into her day into her shitty life. It's a very Freaky Friday moment. Um, mm-hmm. But what are some things? Because I know I just watched it this week again. You watched it yesterday. What are some things after watching it again that you just take away that you absolutely love about this movie that you think are just kind of even for the worst parts top notch for you definitely, definitely i love i like boys it's so stupid it's so stupid it's like okay so, so like if she's like going into like well first off i still don't understand where these kids went to school where they had swimming pools in their schools because like I'm a Gen Xer and we, nobody I knew had fucking swimming in their PE no. classes. That was not a thing. But they were all getting, you know, in their, like, swimming suits and all of a sudden, like, the lead, like, popular girl, Randa, comes in and she's like, okay, girls, I have the number for the best cheer. And then she just starts singing this song called I Like Boys. And it's just, I mean, it's not even, it's so stupid, but it's so great because it's like a, entire choir and they're like dancing behind towels and they're in a locker room and they're like we like boys it's so stupid but i'm super obsessed with it because it's just like whatever and she's just sitting there watching this whole thing and and i'm going who are they cheering for is this gonna be a number at like in the middle of their football game is this like Like, what's going on like how is this a cheer just like a song the thing is talking about how they like boys Mm mm-hmm 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? This the songs in this remind me of the songs from Greece too, which I oh will God. I will die on a hill protecting Greece too with my life. I um, love Greece too. <laughs> I know you also I, love Greece too. Uh, I love it. I love it more than I love Greece one. I do and too. I don't know Be- what is it about of it because I don't know why I love it more, but I do, and I love it so much. It's because I think it understands the absurdity of it. And I honestly think this it's movie... It's why we also love mm-hmm. Wet Hot American Summer. Absolutely. It's like, it's the, it's, the, it's the absurdity and the over-the-top satire of these movies that are what I love the most. Mm-hmm. I laugh the most at them because they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I love some... It's why I love these movies because it's like, they're so ridiculous, but it's... it's the songs are just like freaking Greece too when you think about it. When you so think about it. when you're talking about I Like Boys, we also have to talk top that. Like the musical numbers in this, for anyone at home, there's no semblance of musical theater about it. They come out of nowhere. They don't really nowhere. progress the plot, whatever. They don't belong. But like, am I happy they're there? You bet your sweet yeah. little booty, I am happy they're there. Um, I know everybody has probably seen at least a chunk of Top That. Um, it's the only time I want to see white people rap in, uh, unless it's Eminem at the Super Bowl. Um, but like, it is, it's so preposterous to explain to people, but as like a girl is coming into her witch powers and like making wishes and casting spells to make her life different. I kind of feel like that is something that would just naturally happen when you don't understand your music songs start happening. I mean, and it doesn't like, really make sense, but I get the it. Characters, right. It's just a weird case. It's just like, mm-hmm. there's just the three like rapping guys that they're all rapping and they'll think, and they're like, and I don't even know whether he's just, I don't know. They're walking by like, to explain the scene, they're walking by his house. They're standing in front of the car, white guys in some weird ass '80s slash '90s clothes, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Cause it's like '89, so it's like on the cusp." And they're talking about, they're like, "I don't know what the hell he's right." Top that, he's just, I don't even. I don't even know. Like, I don't know where no it came from, but the the badass nerdy girl gets the the superior yep. top. She gets she tops that. She gets the last word. Uh, again, this is a good moment to pause. Go to YouTube, watch top that teen, which it is one of the most watched videos on YouTube. It is hilarious. So I'm just gonna give you a moment. I literally posted that I was rewatching the movie to be on the podcast today on my Facebook, and everyone was like. Top that, top that, top that. Like everyone, everyone knows that because that's what they, everyone thinks of top that. If not, I like boys top that for sure. Yeah. Well, in something, talking about top that and kind of the I like boys scene, there is a, anytime, even in a musical movie, anytime a song comes out of the text, it is ridiculous unless it is a well-crafted musical. And even then you're like, why are these people singing? Something I will give this cast, and it probably helped that they were young, so they came through the musical movies of the 60s and 70s, um, but, like, they commit 100%, and everybody puts their whole heart behind it, and so, like, that's something that I find so charming about this movie as a whole, is that the cast is in on the joke, the cast wants to just be authentic and they're having a ton of fun. And so even when it's a terrible script, 
if your cast is having fun, I'm going to be in with them 100%, which is why I find this movie really rewatchable and fun because the cast is in on it. They're not trying to make it Shakespeare. They're making it exactly what it is. And it's funny that you say that because Mandy Ingbar, who plays Polly, which is the nerdy friend, like hated the director because he was like, what the hell are you doing with this? And I don't think it has anything to do with anything else just like Mm -hmm. i well i know there was a lot of conflict while they were making this movie it didn't happen easily it was shot over summer but like i i think when like your director is just not being cooperative we've all worked with uncooperative directors and i think when you've got like a dude in the 80s who doesn't understand the genre he's directing Mm -hmm. you either need to go with it or just do what you're gonna do and they're gonna have to make the take work because film's expensive so like honestly i enjoy everything and i heard that like they they threw in top that at the last minute too that it wasn't supposed to be a part of it Hmm. Well, I know at some point they were going to cut all the musical numbers after it was filmed, which honestly, I don't know if I'd enjoy this movie without the stupid musical numbers. Oh my God, um, that would go, oh no, that would make the movie so stupid. It would be like, yeah. it would be, wouldn't even be worth watching. No. It would 100% not watching if they didn't do it that way. Now for me, this bleeds into the kind of musical scenes kind of bleed into, uh, you know, and I don't know what it was, the, the 1980s obsession with, having kids do a theater production in movies like there's always some sort of rehearsal and also where is what when did the lie that the popular kids all did theater start because like every every movie uh every tv show the popular kids and the least popular kids all are doing theater together because they must uphold the the high school hierarchy even in theater but like i love how that's not realistic at all in life not at all not at all i mean the theater kids thought they were cool amongst themselves but like in very few worlds like no never ever ever like mm -mm. in middle school yes but by high school no way Mm -mm. but i love that like she's friends with the theater teacher who inspires her because of course she does which she tries to help that theater teacher out with her magic and it backfires you know it's louise uh god the thing is i enjoy robin lively in her performance as louise uh but particularly i love her interactions with the the theater teacher because it's some of the most um sincere moments we get out of the performance very authentic. Uh, it's very authentic and you know we all at some point have had that relationship with some sort of theater mentor so like i connect with it i feel it i like it mm-hmm. um and so i just love anytime they for me one of the standout moments also with the music is the kind of the ridiculous it's always also like a renaissance or medieval play as well if it's not romeo and juliet um, yeah it's always I, something where it's like but i also noticed that it's like she was the character in the movie was like in the play was also kind of like a witch because she was kind of doing stuff to like remove this stuff but with like her Mm -hmm. hand yeah and i was like i was like aha there's a like i never noticed that it was kind of like a witch within a witch within a witch Mm -hmm. type of thing and i was like uh a witch yeah it was kind of like it was kind of like an aha moment of mm-hmm. oh i see what they did there but you don't really think about that like when you're young mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, yeah, there are certain things that like, as I get older, the more I have like a perspective. And it's also like, for a long time, I would have been like, oh, no, I can't like a movie like this. But like, you hit a point where like good like bad movies are just as good as good movies because they serve mm-hmm. different purposes like this movie makes me feel like really happy when I rewatch it and so to me is like a 30 something in a world that's literally burning around me if I can go back to fun cult classics it's why I enjoy rewatching so many um 80s films 90s early 90s films because oh. like it's not even that it's a simpler time or a different time but it's just like a lot of times like they're just in on the joke like ferris bueller is maybe a a flawed film now but like i really enjoy revisiting that film because it's so preposterous but it's also just like such a time capsule but a different time that just take me out i literally i was out because okay i work at a restaurant and one of the someone made a reservation for abe broman and I kept going, does anyone know who Abe Roman is? No one, of course, at my job knew who Abe I was like, you of know, course. the sausage king of Chicago. And sausage. I was like, what? And I was like, I have to get like someone to verify that they know who Abe Roman is. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. and I go, there's no way that this guy's name is Abe Roman. They're like, he could have. And I was like, no. Because when you Google over Abe Roman, all you get is Ferris Bueller's Day off stuff. So this is not his real name. I mean, it could be, you, I mean, you know this as well as I do, just because you, you know, you worked in fine dining for forever, but especially living in New York, people use fake names all the time. Oh, it's a total fake name, because the email address is different. But I'm like, oh, hey, yeah. bro, and I, he always so makes funny. online reservations. I desperately wanted to call. So I could be like, I could be like, Abe seriously, I was like, I go, is your name really Abe or is this a take on Ferris Bueller? I go, I have to know. I've well, gotta know. That's the well, that's the funny thing is they're probably in on the joke and they're hoping somebody there will be in on the joke as well. Um the kids are too young and I'm not on the floor, and so I never can do it. And it's like oh, that's so funny. I'm dying. I'm that's dying. So it's like one funny. of my it's been driving me crazy. And everyone's like, Well, what? my boss is like, Why are you asking me about this? I was like, um, it's the character from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, hello. Mm-hmm. Of course, my manager's Greek, so what like what the hell would he of know? Course, like, yeah, yeah. Hello. But it's it's just it's it makes sense that this movie has gained they used to do lots of like midnight theater showings of it. And so it really makes sense that like this is how it's gained notoriety and things. And so what are so for me, it's it's kind of that like theaterness about it and going back to the theater. What are some other things for you that just kind of like stand out as just setting this apart in a reason that people should go visit this if they hasn't haven't before? it's like it's so campy and it's like it's one of those movies like you kind of like have to see mm-hmm. it's it's just it's one of those like because there are some 80s movies that just like i mean there's that i've seen a million times but this is one of them that's like that i think falls in line with like teen wolf teen witch mm-hmm. breakfast club 16 candles um goonies Sweet beverly hills it runs the lines along those it's amongst those type of like you know movies that because they've they're like on they show them stuff on like the fact that they show it on like the halloween block movies that's obviously a reason why and it's just i don't know you just have to see it to understand it like but like what we were saying how kids today would never like Mm-hmm. they well, would never like they're just not used to this type of content like growing up for us we were used to all of this kind of stuff like so cheesy 
cheesy things in movies. They're like, oh, that was just normal. That's just the way, like, I mean, we grew up watching stuff like Big, big, uh, like, Piggy's Big Adventure and stuff like that where absurd things happen in all movies. Like, I think today kids would be like, why the hell is this absurd like that? And I'm like, but you still should watch it because, you know, well, it sets I think the tone it's... for future things. Like, it, like, Team Witch walked so other things could run. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and I think the absurdity of this allies aligns with like why cassandra peterson as elvira is still so popular and we Mm -hmm. love that aspect there is a campness that comes with supernatural things that comes with this kind of uh horror genre because it's you know horror and and fantasy is all on a spectrum Mm -hmm. together and so this is like the far end of it but i think like the campness of this is also why like I love Elvira, Mistress of Dark, her movie. Like, there are just things that, like, they feel so in tune together. Which, and like, honestly, I've never seen, and I know that's like. Oh my I've god! It's it's that. also on Amazon. It's actually in two in the end of the month. I'll have a one on one episode where I'm just talking about my love for Elvira as I've like explored. Further. I mean, obviously, I know where. Of course, oh, of I know course, of course, course, like, course, yeah, course. I've just never seen that. But it's it's so funny as you talk, you were talking about movies. If I was putting together like a 1980s teen beat film festival to like revisit and like like or do a con where I like bring actors and stuff out, this is one of the movies I would include. Oh, in I would, you know, absolutely. I would this would be like a great double header, or like if you're at a if you own a drive-in theater, this would be a great mm-hmm. double header date night kind of movie. It would be so absolutely. cute to show with Teen Wolf, to show with adventures and babysitting. Yeah. Um, just because uh, a lot about what I like about Robin Lively is what I love about Elizabeth Shue. So like the perf- oh, Elizabeth Shue. I love Elizabeth Shue. Um, but, but you know, it's just one of those things where like she wasn't uh-huh. Robin. Robin Lively is not the best actress in this movie, but like, I don't care because I feel so at home with Louise for being mm-hmm. so similar to who I was in high school. And I think who a lot of like the nerdy kids were because she's not the nerdy that we see as like she should be, or, you know, like her, her parents getting her that fucking sweater or like all those kinds of things. Like she's oh, so, yeah. she's trying so hard not to be the nerd, but like, she's a nerd because the 1980s movie says she's a nerd. Um, yeah. But it, so she's just so lovable. But I think we need but to she's switch. She's not in. a nerd, and that's funny that she's you say not, that because then no. she's not. Because then when she goes to the dance with Randa's cousin, yep. he's a nerd, and she's like not a nerd. Like, yep. and he's like, I'm not about this life. Um, but then again, like Molly Ringwald wasn't a nerd in Sixteen Candles, and they made all. her like she was mm-hmm. a nerd. Mm-hmm. Well, in no world would we ever have a girl like Molly Ringwald who is actually the nerd. You know, it's yeah. that is the beautiful thing about this genre is they, for better or for worse, they did put different faces onto different genres mm-hmm. of people and, and different archetypes and things. And this kind well, of film only works because you lean into archetypes, you lead into stereotypes while telling the story. Were- you were saying how like this kind of stuff makes you feel good. Like that's, I have so many people say how like they hate the television reboot. I mm-hmm. love the reboot. And why? It's because it's a sense of comfort. It's a sense mm-hmm. of home to be able, like, I'm loving that they did a punky boost. It's like they're doing a who's the boss. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I can't wait to see that these characters who I grew up with um, around my age are a little bit older. It's like why I loved Fuller House. I want to see these characters that I grew up with 
and like in a in a world full of covid and craziness Mm -hmm. to be able to escape to be characters that like when when life was simpler and you didn't have to think about anything and you just like you know like you have these characters that you watch and all like it was you know before the internet and like all you had to worry was what samantha maselli was doing and what donovan was doing Mm -hmm. like or what Puggy Brewster was doing. It's so nice to see it rebooted and to have these, that's why I love the Connors, to have these familiar characters that you grew up with. Like, it's it's a sense of peace and it helps my anxiety with like, you know, well, I love other shows, but like that was also really helpful to, mm-hmm. yeah, to be able to revisit characters you grew up with through well, your I, youth. I think the key to the successful reboots are the ones that keep the tone and spirit of the original. Like for mm-hmm. me, the Will and Grace one didn't necessarily work because they were trying to be too modern. And I think for me, it's a lot of the tone of, and just like that, because I'm not a particularly Sex in the City fan, um, and just seeing what I've seen of and just like that, they're trying to encapsulate what the new tone should be in a contemporary setting without trying to figure out what their tone actually should be in, in a contemporary mm-hmm. storytelling moment. And so I think things like the Connors, even despite having to lose Roseanne because of her political alignment, and things they all you, play it so they still play like they're that white trash family yep. from Lansford and like they own their characters mm-hmm. and they own like Becky's the same Darlene's the same they're the same characters like yep. that you grew up with and they're just the next generation of what you saw when like yeah. and that to me is like super authentic and I'm hoping that that's what who's the, that they're gonna do that with who's the boss and I'm really excited to see what they're gonna do with Jonathan because like like that's going to be a queer character that's like representation is so important and just yeah. to see like things well, that like in Danny Pintaro's story is fantastic oh, and he's oh, had fan- such he's yeah. had such a struggle and such a journey between addiction mm-hmm. and the HIV Absolutely. and yeah. all of these things and like I got so mad at freaking Candace Cameron because she made a she made a, such a horrible comment and I'm just like and she's about his meth addiction and I'm like I'm like you are best friends with Jody fucking Sweden, who has the same. I was like, you are being biased. I was like, because both of you, she was a meth mm-hmm. addict and recovered and was born in jail and had amazing things happen to her. But you fault him because he's because he's a gay guy. Like, well, it's because she's disgusting. She's a filthy, she awful human being. I know. Um, but she's better than her brother. But like, but so, still, it's just like. You, you partially the reason why people wanted Fuller House, and I feel like she's she's almost there, but then she gets sucked back in. I feel like she's so close to being a better human, way further than her brother is. But but she'll never pull out of that. She'll never pull out of it. She'll never pull out of it, which is sad. Because even Lisa Welchel, Lisa Welchel has completely pulled out of her Mm -hmm, weird Christian. mm -hmm. She's not anything like that anymore. Yeah. She's like, I don't like Trump, blah, blah, blah. She likes all the, like, she is Lisa Welchel, who I said would never, ever. Yeah. And I think probably being friends with Kim Fields and Mindy Cohn and, you know, probably were, were, you know, those girls, those women alone. Are, you know. Also, just looking at like what their show did originally, even before they could say what it was doing in many ways, that like it, mm-hmm. you can't look at the legacy of yourself and your characters. Um, but speaking of legacy, as we kind of loop back around, as you know, we watch it. Oh my God, we could just, we could, we could 
just chat about that kind of thing. And you see how I know everything and anything about the 80s. This is why. Because I know too much information. But it's also good to see like wherever, but it's also good to see where everybody's come around to because it's also like, Mm -hmm. it's that moment of like, no, we should hold people accountable for their actions, but then also praise them for when it's like, look, you have come through something. You've come back around Mm -hmm. and admitted that you were wrong. Um, Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Now, things that we're not wrong about. Because through all of the things that we do love about this movie, it's not a great movie. It's not no. the best writing. It's not so, the best performances. But what are the some... A, the ending was the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I didn't agree. realize how bad the ending was until I watched it last night. I don't think I ever really noticed it was that bad because mm-hmm. I think I was so like... You know, because you well, nobody seriously watches it like with complete concentration it's just it's true no, it's, you don't like, watch these kind of movies yeah. like i'm like i'm i watched it with mandy but i'm like you know i was probably talking about her ear off and whatever and i noticed but like i'm sitting here watching this movie and she's sitting there like at the final at the prom or whatever and she's sitting there and she gets rid of the amulet and then she's like she seduces the guy and i was like what and i go did she really did he really like her does he really like like how come all of a sudden he likes her like she had a, like so did he always like her and there was never a spell and he always really did like her more than he liked i mean maybe he did well this is that moment of like we want to hope that like he's actually a good character and like yeah. of course we see that she's beautiful we see that all the good parts of her and like she makes the you know you make the dumb choice of putting a spell on the guy that you want to love because they're like never do a love spell it never works out and it's like sure but it's like girl, don't give up your power. Don't give up your magic just because of a dude. It's like, this yeah. is that moment. It's like, learn how to learn how to not rely on your magic for dumb shit. But like, yeah. you can have both of these things. Like her having her power and her wanting to get the man are not mutually exclusive things. They can exist together. She can explore being a witch. Like part of, I but mean- I, I th- But maybe she just wanted to make sure that it was real without the right. magic. Well, I, I mean, she could have done. She could have done that though. Like, she could be like, "I don't want the spell anymore." But also, she didn't fully understand the magic. She didn't really have like yeah. a guidebook. She, she, I mean, yeah, she's sixteen years old. I mean, yeah. like, and obviously a smart girl because like she was in senior English at like yeah. fifteen. And but like also like now that I think about it, okay, so like she, so, and then it just ends, and you're it like, just it just ends. ends, ends. Yeah. There's literally no. But like then I'm like there was no resolution between her and Polly. Like mm-hmm. there was never like are they friends? Who who like, who care who cares about the nerdy other girl? She's not the pretty girl. We don't care about her. And when did she become? And how did she become a cheerleader so fast? Like all of a sudden I noticed she was in the cheerleading squad, and I was like, wait, when did that happen? Like yeah. There, the, 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 the pacing of this story bothers me. Um, but it's also one of those things I was like, it's not that serious, Matthew. Like, just stop it. It's not that serious. And also, but- what was the whole scene where they're all screaming Louise out of her house, out of uh, like in front of her house, and she had to escape? What was that? Like, that's I, not popularity. Like, I think Nessie, well, I think that's the example of like a lot of it is like Louise doesn't really understand what she wished for. And it's those moments of like, ah, be careful how you word something because magic comes with a price. And so it's like that Honestly, idea of like, we think of like how absurd first period is that. Oh, yeah. Like, this yes. is kind of like, 
Like, it, this is kind of like, first period is kind of like a mockery of a movie like this mm-hmm, because it's so mm-hmm. absurd like that. Because it always makes me remind her because when she's like, she goes to like, to the, to, to, she goes to the thing and she goes to Judy Tenuta and she's sitting there and she goes, I'm going to be a teen. And she goes, which? She goes, no, a teen bitch. And it's always, that always reminds me of that because like, <laughs> She's, they're obviously calling back to this movie. They like, are. I, I mean, know, just... it's it's no no your it's one of those like no your no your points yeah. of reference. Like this is one yeah. of those like, I mean, I I will reference this one often, but it's also like. I would the my biggest thing for me is with the story. I wish Madame Serena had actually been like a magical guide for her and like mm-hmm. giving her magical books and like she actually learned that she is like familially a witch like it is something that is like meant to come to her and so the amulet is just part of unlocking that and so that because right. you know dick Sargent plays her dad in this which i love who famously was one of the darrens on on bewitched and i like to think that that casting um i read somewhere that they tried i i read i read somewhere that they tried to get the original actress who played Samantha as well. Like they tried to get, oh, they tried to get can, both of them. Can you still hear me? I'm yes, I can still something. hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but it was one of those where I was like, they're obviously understanding the reference of what they're trying to tell or what they're trying to do. But I feel like they didn't, they just leave. Okay, yeah. She, because I was like, she died, but um, she died uh, a couple years later. Yeah. Because I was like, she died, but she, because I was like trying to figure out where. But it was, you know, you know, it's one of those things where I feel like they go, great, she's a witch, great, there's a magical item. But they didn't really think about the idea. No, this is something now that I care much more about is like from a storytelling and dramaturgy standpoint. But it's like, you know, the this is one of those movies that I think we just have to not think about because it literally starts to ravel as soon as you start pulling one little string. Mm-hmm. The whole dollar store Barbie doll falls apart because you realize she only has hair on the outside of her scalp, not on the inside, not on the center. Um, but it's it's one of those I'd things. Forgotten like, about the scene where she did the voodoo doll thing with the yes, yes. And then I was like, oh, I remember this. Where so I think a lot of it is they just wonder what they were like. What is a magical trope that we can go with? What is what is something? What is something that the most accessible? thing that we could have her do that would be like, oh yes, she's becoming a witch. She's becoming powerful. Also, that scene where she makes out with him for the first time, like. I was like, uh, what is this? <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot of this movie that is cringe. And it's one of those where I just it's like, and... and then I was like, did anything more happen? But then it switches to the next scene. And then it's like, no, nothing more happened. But like, I would beg to differ it from watching that filming. It looks like something was. Well, I mean, and looking at her dream of like how she dreams about him, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, they're the spectrum of like the 1980s, like teen movie where the boys are horny, but the girls aren't. And then going all the way to like Sabrina, where just everybody's horny. It's like, no, there's something in between there. But also it's like, I guess they weren't. Okay, the brother is really gross. He's really creepy, but I mean I like when knowing that he gets turned into a dog. Yeah. Which like who didn't want to turn their sibling into an animal or something? But like Like, he's so gross in the whole movie. Mm. Like I was like he's vile, filthy. Like he's if I could get rid of one character and like write a character or something, get rid of that one. I almost feel better. It would she would work better as an only child. 
like this. Yeah, like, I kind of agree with that. Because he's just gross. Because he's like sleazeball gross. So that leads oh, me yeah. to the next question for you is what's something that just doesn't work for you in this movie, even upon rewatching? What's just something that you would change or get rid of? The brother, for sure, yeah. the brother. Yeah, I think that really, if if there's something I'm cutting from this movie, it is, it's the brother. Like, I just, yeah, he's the gross. brother. I don't think he's super necessary. Um, So, like, I, yeah, it's, it's whatever. But, I didn't I mean, like it. That, that really gross teacher was kind of annoying, too. Yeah, there are certain points where I went, I feel like so many different people touch the script. Like, it feels like a lot of the scenes feel like they're written by different people. Like I feel a, like I've never been in this. I mean, I've had bad teachers, but not like that. Well, I mean, it's also that idea of it's such an elevated, it's an 80s version of high school. Yeah, like nobody yeah. ever actually went to an 80s yeah. high school, but that's how I we know, all personify school. I know. Nobody ever went, like, none of that stuff happened. No, Just kind of like, no not. one goes to a school like Euphoria. Like, that Euphoria school, like, nobody. That's not a real Nobody. Place. Well, that's a different conversation as well. Oh my God. I, like I said, I saw the, everyone was like, because I'm the only one in my office that hasn't watched it yet. And they were like, you gotta watch it because they were saying, because I guess there was a holding for a hero, they were doing a holding on for a hero scene. And they're like, you gotta watch this. And I started watching this and I'm going, what high school is this? Like, where is this high school? Like, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, that's, an alternate, uh, it's just like, it's an alternate universe. I'm like, where did these Party drug go? high, I guess. Yeah. 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 And like, well, my friend Julie was like, she goes, yeah, I'm watching it. And she's like, my fiance is always like, why are you watching these kids have sex? Weird. <laughs> yeah, it's it is very true. I don't I don't quite understand the uh, the obsession of of. I want to watch it because I want to watch it, but like it's just it's amazing how like. But then again, like Riverdale is still wild too. Like I'm still like the Riverdale 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 episodes were wild in its own. Uh, well, that's that's also that's the showrunner because he's a, a playwright as well, and like he just writes sexy teens and all of it. Like he's oh obsessed God. with he's obsessed with Archie. Like he wrote a play about gay Archie fucking like while he was at Yale. It's like his. I I kind of want to break down his career one day and like talk about all of his work because it's and Sabrina is pretty fucking. I haven't finished Sabrina yet, but it's like out there. I mean, there's that season two episodes. It's literally about orgies at the magic school. Like, yeah, it, I yeah, I remember I that. Don't, I don't know. That is a that is a who it's out there. But if you if you could sum up and, like, then, and even even Katie Keen was kind of like the one oh, season of yeah. Katie Keen was out there. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sad that never that would never took off. I really enjoyed Katie Keen, but yeah it's 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 i think that extended universe not a people were not enough people were jumping on because they hadn't read the comics that it was based on yeah, at this point exactly. and it's and, and anyone when, that's a true archie fan knew that like if you got a yeah. big archie comic book it all had it had archie sabrina and katie king they were all the same and josie the puss cat they were all the same mm-hmm. universe all the well, same universe and it's also it's also hard when every one of your shows is on a different network. Like that yeah. also does not help either uh, to build a cut like a really the continuity of your yeah. universe. But if you were pitching this, you were stuck in an elevator with somebody, and you had two sentences to pitch why they should revisit this uh, movie, Molly. Why should someone revisit this movie? Hmm. I know, I know it's a hard question. Uh, 
I mean, I know I would say that it's got ridiculous musical montages. Uh, there's crazy hijinks and drama club magic. Like, it's so dumb. It's, it's so, like, campy and cheesy and, mm-hmm. like, it's everything in a, in a weird, campy, cheesy 80s movie that you would want. But, like, it's so yep. dumb it's good. So bad it's good. It's yeah. so bad. It's, it's so bad. Good. It's good. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, that in its own, it's its own genre. It's its own and, like, form for, of. And for, and for Tom, that alone. Yeah. For that alone. And well, just. And it was like a few years ago when they it was camp at the Met Gala and everybody was like, is it camp? And I was like, none of you know what camp is, obviously. Like, even beyond it being the idea of like all queer things are inherently camp, but it was like, this is camp like it needs like mm-hmm. you should like there are points of reference for what camp is and there are lots of different things that camp is but like this is a form of camp that I think would have been a really fun reference point for a lot of people and just nobody did like I was waiting for like some somebody to come with like a fun version of her dress from the opening credits but like surrounded by like suspended stars and things like I think that would have been fantastic and it would have been a great point of reference but nobody called for me to design for them so here we are uh, but but I also think I don't think those two all of those people that were there, I just feel like they're, they don't, you know, they're not old enough to, like, to But it also, like, even the people that were there, like, I don't think the Kardashians, not being for any other reason, like, camp doesn't feel like it's in their sphere of what they no, can really think not, about no, on a daily. absolutely not. But it's like some of the actors which that were there that got it. it. Which is why I find it funny that someone like Benny Drama does the Kardashians because he's a hundred percent camp yep. and he makes them camp even though they well, are not camp. Inherently there is something so camp about them because there is the ridiculousness of them of like these moments Absolutely. of I lost my, I, I lost my diamond in the ocean. Kim, there are people dying. Like when you pull those moments out alone, they are camp. Like they are mm-hmm. the most ridiculous moments that could be written. I but know. like you couldn't trust a writing room to write those moments. Like it's one of those things that it's just it's it's like why reality TV show is some sometimes the best examples of camp because it's those moments that are so real they're ridiculous because you can't actually imagine these people being real or these moments happening it's not even just that it's like glamorous or that you're wearing a giant glove as a dress or something those things aren't inherently camp and that's why i think a lot of people didn't understand met camp at the met gala because i there is a point there are so many points of reference that even like it was disappointing to see someone like rapal who is a literal textbook of camp references that just like between her and Zaldi, like it just didn't come together. So like that was what was I think most disappointing about a lot of the aspects of camp. Now there were a lot of people that did get it, but also just like being a man in drag also is inherently just camp. Like that inherently itself is not camp. Being queer Mm -hmm. is not inherently camp. So it's one of those things, but like this is one of those best points of reference because to me, anything Zelda Rubenstein is in is camp. She is camp. It's like Divine. Divine is camp. John Waters is camp. Oh, damn. John Waters is 100%. Anything hairspray 
Cry baby camp, yeah. camp, camp. But also, camp. like you talked about Camp uh, Troop Beverly Hills. That is peak uh, camp. Shelly Long yeah. in that movie is peak camp. Yeah. yeah. Death becomes her peak camp. There are things that exist mm-hmm. in the realm that like ex- the realm outside of queerness, because I get also uh, you can't say that like camp and queerness go hand in hand. They did for many years because that was our like protection. That was the like a thing that we did for ourselves. But like, I think this movie is just such a wonderful example of 80s camp and it's terrible. But mm-hmm. like, are there worse things to watch? Are there worse things to watch for 90 minutes? Absolutely. Are you going to love that you watch this for 90 minutes? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. And then that's what I love about stuff like that. I do too. You know, it's nice to have movies where you can just, you know, now something that was ridiculous are so good. Yeah, something that was interesting is back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, they were trying to do a musical. Of course I have to. Um, and our friend Showbiz Spitfire Paige Turner, I know she has a copy of this soundtrack. I know it's floating oh, around I and it's hard too. to come by. Um, I but it's it. one of the well, and Blake uh, talking about Fuller House, Fuller House, yeah. Blake Ewing yeah. was Brad. Yeah. I don't really yeah. recognize much of the other cast, but I can't pronounce her last name is the one that plays Louise. Yep. She was she's done a like, I was actually looking it up last night. I do have I do have the cast recording to this. I, do. I love of course you do. Us, but... That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> no, of course I do. Yeah. But this I is one of those have it. This is one of those things that like Which if... is all the same cheesy movies, but just mm-hmm. turned and like and like I know that if you look up you can see videos of them recording it mm-hmm. with Blake MacGyver. Who's but actually this... shout out really good friends with Jackie Cox. I Jackie Cox, that. friend friend of the pod. We love Jackie Cox. I was so happy we to finally see her on Jack, uh, see her on Drag Race. I love see. Uh, you know what? Amazing. This is- it's so amazing that like when I try to, when people, t- when I talk to people that I go, then they're like, oh, I love Drag Race. And I was like, I was like, I know people before they were like, we knew Jackie, mm-hmm. we knew Bob, mm-hmm. we knew Yuha Hamasaki, we yep. knew, uh, um, Honey Davenport, like when they were yep. first yep. starting. Well, well, and like Honey gave me one of my first shows that wasn't with Paige, like at New World. Like, like it's just one of those things that when starting. it's like, well, and it's also like when I see people like that succeeding who are generally good people, like they are mm-hmm. exceptionally good people and deserve every good thing that comes to them. Like, but it's one of those things that like this is one of those rare moments where I go, I don't want a musical adaptation of most movies, but this feels like it would actually be a better musical than just a straight movie. Like if they lean into those moments where they put maybe some like of the chintzy stuff and kind of flip it into a new book and score that actually works together, this story can actually really work amazingly. And it's a shame that at no point over like the last 15 years nobody's tried to continue because like i know at this point it was just a weird moment and 2007 2008 was a hard time it was pre in the heights or it was in the heights was just happening um you know it's one of those things that like musical theater 14 years ago was weird but like xanadu would go on to like xanadu was on broadway during this time and did really well Mm -hmm. shrek did really well i don't understand did really well 
I don't Legally understand. Blonde did really well. <gasps> Legally Blonde's so good. Well, that is also an exceptional book and score. It was just wonderful. But it's also yeah. just like- I saw that I, so, many, so many times my liking. So many I times don't liking. know why nobody picked this story up. No, I don't know what the book was like. So it could have been complete garbage. But- I, Well, I, I hear they're doing better. I'm a cheerleader. I hear that that's in the works it's, right now it's well it's in it's on and it's Romeo in london too and i've been mm-hmm. waiting for romeo and michelle that's mm-hmm. in the i'm hoping that's gonna get brought here but it's one I of those loved, i really love heathers i love yeah. heathers oh i like heathers a lot i think they i really, enjoyed I it i enjoyed it very well and i'm sad it didn't last as long as it did i really I'm lucky to have seen it twice. It was, you know, it's it's going to have a cult cl- that it, it, much like the movie. I think it's going to have a cult following forever, and it's actually a pretty good show for high schools and colleges to do. Honestly, if they've got the mm-hmm. singers, it tells a good story. If you really tap dramaturgically into the story they're telling, which is also why I don't understand why this at no point has somebody picked it up. So out there. I'm I'm pleading. Let's manifest this. Someone, Let's manifest someone, it. someone, go pick this up and let. I read something that they were going to do a remake of the movie musical. Yes, with so Ashley Tisdale. Yes, in I 2008, and that was the last time anybody picked up anything with Teen Witch. Honestly, um, though, I heard they were doing a sequel of Dirty Dancing, which I'm curious to see how they're going to pull that one off. It's, I don't. No, there are things we don't need and things we need, and that is something we don't need. If you yeah, can't have Patrick Swayze, I, I don't want it. I don't want it. Um, the remake of the remake, oh, the musical remake of Dirty Dancing. Was- oh, it's terrible. Oh, oh, it's horrible. so bad. It's so bad. But this I is also I one where. I haven't even watched the beaches one because I'm still kind of like, Oh yeah. Oof, no, there's mm. no reason to also, I don't want to listen to Adina sing for two hours. Um, mm. But it, you know, I it's like just, one, it's one of those things where I'm kind of glad nobody's touched this as a movie to try to remake because I feel like they, Sabrina, the new chilling adventures of Sabrina has already been done. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart already did her, her Sabrina. And I think teen witch needs to fall somewhere between the two and just be left. Um, So honestly, I would love to see a musical of this, but I don't think we, I don't think we need another movie of this. And I don't think we need a TV show based on it. So I'm just saying someone do the musical, musical. do the musical, but let's leave it. Let's leave it with the musical. Just like how they did Xanadu, I think we need a musical. Mm-hmm. We I totally agree. need a musical. Well, Molly, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been an absolute thank delight. For, thank you for having me. This of is course. fun. We'll have to do it again. One last thing. Topic. Of course. One last thing. Well, we're going to have to have you back on for the facts of life. I'm determined we ah, have to talk yes. facts of life. Um, uh, wait. Just wait until we get into that discussion. Hello. My name is Hans Martin Jr., your real movie critic. If you enjoy discussing upcoming movie news, looking at new trailers, and reviewing the year's hottest movies, then tune in to... Hey, hey, Hans, Hans! What? Are you doing the promo without me? Uh, yeah, I am. How come? Because everyone knows I'm the better host of this podcast. Oh, it's like that, huh? You think you can review movies better than me. Uh, I don't think I can. I know. Oh, we'll see about that. This is... The Real Movie Critic. Versus... The Cineguy. Mondays only at CertainPOV.com. Or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. You're going down, critic. 
Bring it on, guy. Thank you, as always, for joining us for another episode. Now, I know the audio was a little week in this one i'm in the process of moving so my rig was not set up but i wanted to bring you all an episode because i know release has been spotty as always you can find us on patreon we have changed so it is now under dreamer productions on patreon and only two dollars a month lets you show us that you love what we're doing and that you're excited for what's coming we've already started recording two brand new shows that are going to release over the rest of 2022 and i am so excited for you to hear them Join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.